the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Ursula Media Group. Welcome to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. And now, here's your host, Nick Phillips. Good evening, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another edition of The Advocate. Welcome to uh, winter in Cleveland uh, with the cold temperatures coming in. And uh, have hope you're all having a wonderful Sunday and Sunday evening. In uh, our first two segments of The Advocate for tonight, we're going to be talking about uh, the holiday season and the fact that there are children who don't appreciate or don't get to experience the Christmas time or the holiday season the way we did, many of us did. And uh, who's been helping out for a number of years, and that has been the United States Marine Corps with their Toys for Tots program. Uh, tonight we have with us Sergeant Kevin Dickinson, uh, who's with the U.S. Marine Corps, and he's going to talk to us tonight about Toys for Tots. Tots, uh, Kevin, how are you tonight? Good, how are you? Thank you for joining us, United States Marine Corps. Uh, first, let's talk about you a bit. You're in the Marines, correct? Yes, sir. Uh, tell us a little bit about your training. How long have you been in, and uh, where did you get your training? Uh, so I've been in for 10 years now. Um, I went to boot camp in Paris Island, uh, South Carolina. Um, spent a long period in uh, Quantico, Virginia, and then I moved down to Fort Worth, Texas for uh, about four years. And now I'm blessed to be up here in Cleveland, Ohio. Is this your hometown where you have family and so on? It actually is. Uh, surprisingly, for an active duty Marine, it's kind of hard to get stationed in your hometown, but uh, I was able to pull some strings and uh, come back to Cleveland, Ohio, and I'm really happy to be here. Well, very good. How long do you get to stay here? How long is the tour in Cleveland? I, I will be here until about February 20, and that's actually when I'm beginning out of the Marine Corps and staying home. You'll be staying here in northern Ohio? Yes, sir. Well, welcome home. <laughs> That'll be very, very nice for you. Uh, have you been yes, de- deployed in your 10 years? I have not. I've been uh, fortunate enough to stay stateside for uh, my entire career so far. Wow, uh, that's a possibility of a deployment coming up, but nothing guaranteed yet. Well, uh, let's hope uh, you get to wrap up your career here in Cleveland, Ohio, and uh, join join the rest of us. Well, anyway, hey, you're on tonight because we're talking about uh, Toys for Tots. Now, what's your involvement with Toys for Tots? So our unit, uh, 3rd Battalion, 25th Marines here in uh, Brook Park, Ohio, Mm-hmm. We're actually uh, we're in charge of the Cuyahoga County Torture Tots Program. So what we do uh, out of our duty station and out of a warehouse nearby is uh, we'll collect toys throughout the entire area. And uh, I'm, I personally, I'm in charge of all the pickups and drop-offs for all the toys that we have uh, donated to us by organizations all throughout Cuyahoga County, throughout all the entire cities and everything. So I'm in charge of, lucky enough to be in charge of picking up all these toys and Take them from you know the organizations to our warehouse, so it's uh, pretty interesting. We have over 225 people that uh, volunteered this year for the organization, and uh, by the end of the week, we'll hopefully have them all picked up and start packing out for all the children. Oh well, that's a it's a wonderful idea, wonderful thought. Uh, with regard to people who can't come up with toys but want to donate money, do you guys accept cash? Uh, we do accept cash donations. They're actually on our website, on the uh, toysfortots.org. Um, if you find our Cuyahoga County uh, page, then you, there's uh, actually an option to donate cash. 
to our organization. And, and is that Toys for Tots, T-O-Y-S-F-O-R, or the number four? I'm not sure. F-O-R. F-O-R, okay, just as, as it sounds, Toys for Tots, T-O-T-S. Well, very good. So you can always use the money. How, how long has Toys for Tots been out there? So in 1947, it was started by Major Bill Hendricks. He actually uh, got the idea because his wife wanted to donate a Raggedy Ann doll, and there wasn't any organizations out there to uh, accept it. So he was reserved at the time, and he had the great idea of starting up Toys for Tots. And uh, that's where it all became and uh, started in Los Angeles, California. And it's been going uh, straight all, all the way through. How uh, yes, sir. Now, now, with regard to the, the toys... Um, you gather toys. People have drop-off places here in, in uh, well, around the country, but here in the Cleveland area, where can people drop off their toys? So same uh, situation as I explained before. On our website, there's an option to look up. There's locations all over. There's over 225. So all they have to do is uh, go to our website and find our county, mm-hmm. and uh, they can look up the nearest location to them. There's so many and so many options. And if they can't find the time or they don't, if they're not close enough to the location, we also accept donations at our unit on Smith Road in Burr Park, as well as our warehouse uh, in the Industrial Parkway in Cleveland. And, uh, you know, we say the, the warehouse. What's the quantity of toys you get, and how many children do you help out? Uh, last year we collected over, I believe, 60,000 toys for Calgary County, and it went to over uh, 30,000 children. That, that is a lot. Now, when people drop off toys, uh, do you want them wrapped or unwrapped? Uh, preferably unwrapped um, so we can distribute them properly to the you know the correct uh, child and boy or girl mm-hmm. and age group as well. So we like to disperse it so they get the toy that they would prefer, obviously. And uh, when you put, when I guess the Marines wrap them up or you have volunteers helping wrapping these things up at the warehouse or how does that work? So what we actually do, um, we, so we'll collect the toys, we'll put them up uh, per age group and per sex. And then from there, what we do is we distribute it to a nonprofit organization that, like, personally no families that can uh, disperse it to families. So we're actually more of a middleman in the situation. We'll donate to churches and other organizations like that, and they will distribute it to families directly. So from there, it's on them to mm-hmm. wrap the toys and give them as gifts and go from there. How many organizations do you distribute toys to? Um, that would be Probably in around 150 or so. Oh, is it is it too late to uh, to get uh, an organization to sign up for Toys for Tots yet? We are still accepting organizations, but I know the cutoff limit is coming up very very soon. So I, I think there may be one or two more days left to get in there and sign up to be an organization. And uh, when, when they get that, when do they get the toys? How soon before Christmas do they get the toys? Our last pickup scheduled date is the 21st, so as long as uh, they get their order in soon, we'll have them all completely done by the 21st of December. How, how do you handle diversity where you don't have, you know, you, you have all kinds of religions uh, around and uh, every, everybody doesn't celebrate Christmas? Is this for, for kids beyond just, you know, Christian families, or how does that work? These presents are for all the children of Powell County that you don't have the opportunity to have a Christmas or have a, the, a present and gift given to them. All we are here to do is, you know, give them that little light of hope that they can have a, you know, happy holidays and, mm-hmm. you know, gift that they might not be able to get from their family. You know, what, what seems to be the best gifts to get for boys and girls? If someone's out there listening tonight and they want to 
they're they're moved to go out and, and help out with kids. Are we looking at little kids or teenagers or what do um, you guys need most? We I believe that right now the most that we need is for middle aged children, uh, probably from ten to thirteen time frame, like time uh, age age group, because um, we do get a lot of children's toys, small children. Um, what we do lack a lot of is girls' toys, which is where we struggle the most because. You know, a lot of people want to buy Nerf guns and cool things like that, but um, girls' toys are really appreciated, too. Okay, since you're a resident U.S. Marine expert on boys' and girls' toys, what are some of the <laughs> current girls' toys out there that are even there? Yeah, I, I have um, no clue. Where would we start? I, I honestly, I, I have no idea. I have a son myself, so I've, I've focused a lot on oh, okay. my whole life. <laughs> um, but... As for girls' toys, I we from what I've seen in the warehouse, I haven't spent a lot of time in there other than dropping off the toys and mm-hmm. um, our boxes. But I've seen a lot of you know makeup kits and um, small things like that, trinkets, and have like build your own uh, bracelets, um, stuff to like, do their hair with. Um, and then there's also you know small girls' toys or whatever, but uh, just cute little things like that. Well, that that's cute, and uh, so almost accessories and things. And these are girls, uh, same thing as the boys, ten to thirteen as your is the age group you need. Is that right? Right. Yes, sir. Uh, what do you get for younger kids? What, what kind of things? Oh, they, they vary all over the place. Um, for the boys, we do get a lot of Nerf guns, basketball, football, um, sports-related things. We, mm-hmm. we also get a lot of random toys. I think I've seen a, uh, a Wii uh, Guitar Hero in there and uh, a couple other like you know expensive toys. And a lot of scooters. Uh, bicycles are huge. We love to give out bicycles to children. Um, it, it really does vary, though. I mean, it's, we are all over the place. We literally get the craziest things you've ever seen. We, we've gotten electric scooters and a lot of fun stuff to give away to kids. Oh, that's interesting. Can, can people ever come down to the warehouse and take a look at what's going on down there? Is that open to the public? Oh, yes, definitely. Um, we, ha- we actually have uh, volunteer options as well on our website. If anybody wants to come down and help, we really appreciate it because this time of year, it gets very crazy. There's only 22 active duty uh, U.S. Marines that really help out on a consistent basis. We have our reservists that occasionally can come help out, but a lot of them have normal jobs, nine to five. So the, the backbone of this operation is our 22 Marines. So we really appreciate like any volunteers that can come down to our warehouse and help out. What's the oh, simple, What's your website? What is your website? Um, so if you go to the toysforcots.org website. Um, the drop-down option for your state, you know, obviously Ohio and the county, Cuyahoga, and it'll bring you right to our website. That's the easiest way to get to it. Well, very good. We're talking to United States Marine Sergeant Kevin Dickinson. Uh, we're talking about Toys for Tots. It is the season for giving, and uh, so if you're thinking about it, you're listening tonight, and you have a computer, check out Toys for Tots, and uh, we're going to be back. We're going to be talking uh, some more to Sergeant Dickerson. Dickinson, and uh, we're going to find out some of the stories about um, the children receiving these toys. We'll be right back. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK, The Advocate. Don't go away. We'll be right back. You didn't.
didn't plan it this way. You spent your entire life being careful, protecting your body and staying healthy when the carelessness of another changes your life forever. You need to know what's expected of you to prove your claim. You further have been changed forever. Know it's up to you to make your case. The lawyers at Phillips and Millie together have over 80 years of experience. If you have a case or think you may, call the law firm of Phillips and Millie at 440-243-2800. Hi, I'm Pat Lamb. Select Insurance Services is a family-run business and your personal shopper for auto, home, and business insurance. Plus, I'm Dave Ramsey's endorsed local provider. I think you'll agree, insurance is confusing, but at the same time, it's very important to your financial security. We believe insurance should be secured through a professional. Why? Because one wrong click in the do-it-yourself plan could cost you everything. Our approach stands out because we ask the right questions, listen to your personal situation, and share our knowledge to close potential coverage gaps. This is an experience a do-it-yourself plan can't provide. Did you know there could be a coverage gap when you drive someone else's car? So call us today, 440-237-8555, or check us out at selectinsservice.com. 440-237-8555, or selectinsservice.com. Hi, this is Nick Phillips, host of the Advocate. Pat Lamb and Select Insurance have been my insurance agents for years. Wonderful to work with and never a hassle. Call Pat Lamb at Select Insurance for your insurance needs. How's your back? Every day, thousands of people suffer with unrelenting back pain that takes time from their normal life. Dr. Patrick McCluskey and his staff at the Timber Ridge Neck and Back Pain Clinic provide the helping hands to relieve those nagging pains. Located in North Royalton at Sprague and York Roads, schedule an appointment today with the Timber Ridge Neck and Back Pain Clinic by calling 440-884-0083 for an appointment. That's 440-884-0083. Just imagine being neck and back pain free. More than just a dentist, Dr. Carl Hedgie provides dental treatments for occlusions, TMJ problems, and for aesthetic rehabilitation. In dental practice for over 30 years, Dr. Hedgie has provided state-of-the-art dental treatment for all of his patients. Dr. Carl Hedgie is skilled at treating and resolving complicated dental problems. Located across from the North Royalton High School, call Dr. Hedgie's office for an appointment or visit his website at drhedgie.com. That's Dr. Carl Hedgie, H-E-G-Y-I at 440-237-3338 for the very best in dental care. Children, the product of a married couple who were once in love. Unfortunately, sometimes the marriage does not work and parents must get divorced. This is traumatic for the children as well as for the adults. The law firm of Phillips and Millie offers advice and representation in family law matters. Remember, your children are entitled to the utmost consideration when mom and dad have to part. Phillips and Millie, your local law firm on the west side of Middleburg Heights. Telephone 440-243-2800. And now, back to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. Welcome back to Cleveland. Nick Phillips again with you with another segment of The Advocate. Uh, this being the holiday season, Christmas time. Uh, we think of our own childhoods, and we're probably watching the movie Christmas Story as that gets closer to Christmas over and over and over again. But uh, but but the times we had as we were growing up with our families and having uh, the, the love of the family there, giving us gifts and everything, we do know this doesn't happen automatically, and it doesn't happen to a lot of, oh, there are a lot of people who it doesn't happen to, especially the children. And uh, the Marine Corps, the United States Marine Corps, has been doing this since 1947, operating toys for tots. 
Again, we're back with uh, Sergeant Kevin Dickinson. Uh, Sergeant Dickinson, again, thank you so much for your service, and thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, Toys for Tots. Again, uh, it, it's. I think everyone needs to think about giving. And uh, are you guys ahead or behind so far in in the uh, in the in the taking in of toys and cash donations? How's it looking? I think. As of right now, we're pretty much right on par for where we should be, and we're pretty happy with what we have. Um, this week's going to be very busy for us. It uh, doesn't happen very easily. There's a lot of hard work put behind it, but uh, I think we're going to be able to get it all done and accomplished just as a, a sign. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, tell us about some of the other programs you have with Toys for Tots. There was something about the Cleveland Indians. Tell us about that. Uh, yes, uh, so we recently partnered up with the Cleveland Indian, Indians this year. Um, we did a uh, Thanksgiving event with them, actually, to uh, start off the season. Um, so the Indians had a bunch of uh, less fortunate children come in um, to the actual stadium for Thanksgiving dinner. They made them you know, all the food and fixings and everything. Mm-hmm. And um, they actually invited us out. They had Santa Claus there, and we were able to donate some toys to the children and uh, see them open the gifts up at the uh, you know progressive field. It was a pretty uh, awesome event to be a part of for us. And I'd uh, be, you know, partnering with the Indians as well. It's been great. How many kids were involved? I believe there was 60 children involved in that event. And, and again, how are the children selected? Uh, you know, who it's, I think you were mentioning earlier through some of the, what, 100-plus uh, different churches and agencies that have touch with the children in need. Uh, um, so go for, ahead. For that event specifically, um, the Indians uh, chose the children. I'm not sure what organization they chose them through. Um, that was up to them, but for us, we take any any organization that's a nonprofit one to volunteer and uh, distribute the toys to the children. Um, because at the end of the day, it's all for them. You know, mm-hmm. we're just mm-hmm. here to lend a helping hand what we can. Were you there to see how it went this year at the Indians? I was not. I was actually uh, on temporary duty down in Texas when that happened. Um, but my Marines wore and they took a lot of photos and everything, and I was yeah, all the children's faces looked so happy. So. I was, uh, you know, sad I couldn't be a part of it, but happy we were able to take care of it and be a part of that with the Indians. Boy, that that makes it all worth it. Now, uh, we always think and hear of Toys for Tots uh, right around this time of the year. Do do you guys do anything year-round for Toys for Tots, or when do you get ginned up for it? So, for the most part, our our time frame is uh, between November, end of October, November, and December. Um, But we do have sporadic events throughout the year. We always have... uh, Christmas in July event that we have um, to raise uh, money for Toys for Tots. And, you know, we're always open to new ideas. Anybody that has anything that they want to plan throughout the year at all, we'd be glad to be a part of that. Um, Collecting toys, you know, that's our mission, and we're here for the children. Are there any gifts you guys get for uh, children who are over 13, like, you know, the the young teenagers? Oh, there are. um, we, We do get some older gifts. I'm not sure on the specifics of what type of gifts. Um, I'm not in the warehouse as much as I, as I used to be. Now I'm on the road a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I know we do definitely receive other gifts for older children. What What are some of those gifts you've seen around? I think you mentioned bicycles. Uh, yeah, a lot of bicycles. Yeah, a lot of bicycles. Um, we received, uh, you know, a lot of sports gear, um, things that, you know, older children like to play with, uh, obviously. Um, but, yeah, for the most part, it's, I think it's just bicycles, sports gear, and you know, things of that nature. Oh my! Uh, you know, I go way back in time. Uh, I remember as a kid getting a Lionel electric train as a kid. Uh, I guess now, if we still had it, it would be worth a lot of money. 
But uh, yes, are, are electric trains still something kids get or are interested in? Oh, I'm sure they are. I mean, my son loves it, um, but I haven't seen very many, maybe one or two. But I'm sure, you know, if we were to get more, it would be you know, a great Christmas for the children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, this is sort of a big logistical uh, operation you guys have going on with all these tens of thousands of toys and everything. Uh, when they're wrapped up, are they labeled uh, like boy or girl in an age range, or does it say exactly what's in the package? Or uh, how does that so work? What we, what we do is um, we'll we'll collect all the toys, we'll put them up into their age groups, and um, at that point we'll receive a list from the organization that's requesting toys, and from there we'll find out how many you know boys or girls we have, what age groups, and we'll uh, split them up from there and give them. I believe we'll give them two stocking stuffers as well as one nice Christmas gift and um, we'll pack into a large shipment, a um, bunch of large boxes, and then we'll have it ready for the organization all marked and everything. So that when the organization comes to pick it up, it's uh, pretty simple for them. All they have to do is split it up, uh, the order up when they get it and wrap it up and do whatever they want with it from there with the children. Well, very good. Now you mentioned uh, the warehouse. Where is the warehouse located? It's a, it's in an industrial industrial parkway in Cleveland, over off off of uh, West One Fiftieth. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure the actual address. I know the uh, it's Bush Industries actually donated the back of their warehouse to us. I see. Um, so yeah, very every year you know we we're fortunate to find some organizations willing to donate a warehouse, and you know we'll pay for the the utilities, but they will completely give us the uh, warehouse for free, which is awesome, and it really that helps is. us out. And helps, um, now how? It's, uh, mm-hmm. and- I was just going to say that the uh, organizations, they make their request and they, they come out to pick it up. They come out to the warehouse then. Yes. And uh, as they, they come out to that, uh, is this something they can just drive out to or do they have to make prior arrangements? Um, prior arrangements appreciated. We'll usually give them a heads up as of when their order is ready and we'll be expecting them and they'll give us a time frame of when they can. So we'll kind of work with the organizations in order to make sure you know we can be there and they can be at the same time in order to make everything happen. Well, so far, I think we're talking about your needs. You still need more toys. You still could use more cash. And uh, you, right. you could still use some more volunteers. These are just regular civilian volunteers who um, want to come up. If, if you do have some people like listening tonight, they go online and they volunteer. Uh, when, when do they come out there to volunteer? Is this Monday through Friday or the weekends or... Evening. As of early in the season, it's kind of a Monday through Friday, but right now it's pretty much a 14 to 16 hour day for us always, mm-hmm. um, for everybody involved. So we're, we can use anybody, they can spare an hour of their day to come in and help out and sort toys or pack toys. You know, that hour is greatly appreciated and we'll take whatever help we can get, honestly. Okay. So you don't need any training. You just come out there and you can learn what to do in an hour or so. Right, yeah, it takes no time at all. Uh, you come out there and, you know, we're really good at, you know, putting people to work and putting our Marines to work, so we oh, have no good. problem. Very simple work and doesn't take any training at all. More or less, you know, point and make it happen. And you get to come out and meet some Marines if you haven't met yep. any for a while. There'll be a bunch of big, strong Marines out there packing boxes and uh, sorting toys and oh. occasionally playing with them as well. Well, that's good. Yeah, make sure they work. Uh, sort of a, a quality, right, exactly. quality check. So, my, my goodness. Now, when will things wind down? When do you guys stop? Um, so, I'm hoping to have all the toys collected by the end of this week. 
um, that's a, honestly a large hope because we have a ton of places to pick up from and, um, you know, a very limited amount of vehicle to do so. Um, as for the, pack, the packing and shipping to the different you know, organizations, that should be completely finished by the 21st of December, which is a good time frame for us to be, you know, completely done and be able to spend Christmas with our family still and, you know, have the happy holidays ourselves. Well, that's, that's for sure. Well, we appreciate all that work that's, that's going on. Um, with regard to, uh, any plans or doing this, anything or any way differently next year, or we, we just are, so we're into a, a real cycle now that works the same way every year. Every year it honestly changes because we have Marines, you know, constantly, you know, changing duty stations, coming in and going out. So every year it's a new adventure. It's uh, it's pretty interesting, but for the most part, I think we have it fairly fine tuned and um, everything going, you know, pretty well. Do you find people who make their donations, if you see them, they're actually very happy to make these donations? Oh, yes. And the, the great thing is you we, we see a lot of children coming and donating, you know, their birthday gifts or one of their Christmas presents. And that's, you know, it really warms the heart seeing children, you know, giving up one of their gifts for a less fortunate child. I never heard that, but that that's beautiful that they do that. So, it really is. Well, it proves a lot of kids are coming from a lot of really good families. And right. uh, to make this really a, a worthwhile situation so that uh, well, they're going to get what they're going to get. So, well, in any event, it's, it sounds like uh, you're off and running for a great uh, holiday season. And uh, like you mentioned, you're, you're, when do you get to leave the Marines? When are you off? I will. Well, we blasted that out, really. <laughs> yes. Are you still there? <laughs> I am. I am. All right. Um, so I will be... Uh, heading out of the Marine Corps around February 2020. Uh, that'll be my last uh, day in the Marine Corps, February 5th. And uh, I'll be looking at new adventures. Well, very good. Well, thank you so very much. Sergeant Kevin Dickinson, United States Marine Corps for Toys for Tots. Thank you so very much for your help uh, with the Marines and also for Toys for Tots here in Cleveland. Thank you, Nick. Thank you so very much. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back with John Caldwell who wrote an interesting book about World War II and beyond, talking about World War II and how it was related to Korea and the other wars that followed. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK, The Advocate. We'll be back after these words with John Caldwell. Be sure to come back. Don't go away. Hi, I'm Pat Lamb. Select Insurance Services is a family-run business and your personal shopper for auto, home, and business insurance. Plus, I'm Dave Ramsey's endorsed local provider. I think you'll agree, insurance is confusing, but at the same time, it's very important to your financial security. We believe insurance should be secured through a professional. Why? Because one wrong click in the do-it-yourself plan could cost you everything. Our approach stands out because we ask the right questions, listen to your personal situation, and share our knowledge to close potential coverage gaps. This is an experience a do-it-yourself plan can't provide. Did you know there could be a coverage gap when you drive someone else's car? So call us today, 440-237-8555, or check us out at selectinsservice.com. 440-237-8555, or selectinsservice.com. Hi, this is Nick Phillips, host of The Advocate. Pat Lamb and Select Insurance have been my insurance agents for years. Wonderful to work with and never a hassle. Call Pat Lamb at Select Insurance for your insurance needs. 
You didn't plan it this way. You spent your entire life being careful, protecting your body and staying healthy when the carelessness of another changes your life forever. You need to know what's expected of you to prove your claim. You further have been changed forever. Know it's up to you to make your case. The lawyers at Phillips and Millie together have over 80 years of experience. If you have a case or think you may, call the law firm of Phillips and Millie at 440-243-2800. How's your back? Every day, thousands of people suffer with unrelenting back pain that takes time from their normal life. Dr. Patrick McCluskey and his staff at the Timber Ridge Neck and Back Pain Clinic provide the helping hands to relieve those nagging pains. Located in North Royalton at Sprague and York Roads, schedule an appointment today with the Timber Ridge Neck and Back Pain Clinic by calling 440-884-0083 for an appointment. That's 440-884-0083. Just imagine being neck and back pain free. More than just a dentist, Dr. Carl Hedgie provides dental treatments for occlusions, TMJ problems, and for aesthetic rehabilitation. In dental practice for over 30 years, Dr. Hedgie has provided state-of-the-art dental treatment for all of his patients. Dr. Carl Hedgie is skilled at treating and resolving complicated dental problems. Located across from the North Royalton High School, call Dr. Hedgie's office for an appointment or visit his website at drhedgie.com. That's Dr. Carl Hedgie, H-E-G-Y-I at 440-237-3338 for the very best in dental care. Children, the product of a married couple who were once in love. Unfortunately, sometimes the marriage does not work and parents must get divorced. This is traumatic for the children as well as for the adults. The law firm of Phillips and Millie offers advice and representation in family law matters. Remember, your children are entitled to the utmost consideration when mom and dad have to part. Phillips and Millie, your local law firm on the west side of Middleburg Heights. Telephone 440-243-2800. Welcome back to Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another segment of The Advocate. In the next two segments, we're going to be talking about uh, the United States at war and a number of wars that we've been in, at least since the 1940s and even prior. And to talk to, us, talk to us tonight about it, we have Mr. John Caldwell, who is a defense expert. Uh, John, thank you for joining us tonight. It's my pleasure. Thank you. John, uh, where are you calling from? We're talking, uh, I'm talking to you from Santa Barbara, California. Oh, well, th- well thank you. It's uh, always warmer there. Hopefully fires aren't in your neck of the woods. They are not. Uh, we had our share of fires last year, however. Well, hopefully you paid your dues, and you're, you're off now for several decades, I think. But uh, That may be the case since there's not much left to burn. Yeah, it's all, all burned out. At least up on the mountaintops. My goodness. Well, we've been watching it here in the east, and uh, so our, our thoughts and prayers with everyone out there in California. Uh, but, uh, John Caldwell, you have a fascinating background. You've written a book entitled Anatomy of Victory, Why the United States in World War II Fought to a Stalemate in Korea, Lost in Vietnam, and Failed in Iraq. Uh, that sort of covers a lot of years and, and a, lot of, a lot of wartime for this country. Uh, but your history, I note, goes back to... Uh, uh, over 50 years where you were working uh, with defense think tanks and uh, you were always involved for your career in defense-related uh, positions. Can you tell us a little bit about that background? 
Well, my first real job um, out of graduate school was in Saigon in 1968, and at that time I was working for um, a small company in Santa Barbara called General Research Corporation, and they had a contract with the Defense Department, specifically the Advanced Research Projects Agency, which had a uh, task to study village defense in Vietnam, and I was part of a team that was sent to Vietnam to work on that, and we arrived in Saigon um, about a month after the Tet Offensive broke out mm -hmm. in February of 1968. I arrived there in March of that year. Now, what, what exactly was your job? As a matter of fact, I, I can think of several movies that were probably made about people like you uh, who were in Vietnam and basically providing the analysis and recommendations and theories on, on how the United States uh, should proceed and, and evaluate how they're doing at any given point. Uh, were you involved in that kind of analysis? Sort of, I would say. Uh, this was a... Uh, a project that at the time was classified, um, and I'm not even sure I'm t to this day I'm allowed to talk about it in extensive detail, but I, specifically I was, <clears throat> our task was to figure out whether it would be feasible to design and then implement a village security system that could be implemented all over Vietnam on the assumption, this is the military assumption, that the war was going to be won or lost um, in the in the uh, in the countryside, uh, where the capacity of the uh, South Vietnamese government would be tested as to whether or not they could protect the rural population and whether they could capture <coughs> and retain uh, political uh, and administrative legitimacy and. During the first week I was in Saigon, I met a young um, Army Reserve lieutenant who had already served two combat tours in Vietnam. He was a uh, an alumnus of the Harvard class of 1965. He came through their ROTC program, and he was back in Vietnam at that time as a civilian because he wanted to understand what he had been doing during this conflict and <clears throat> he turned to me and he said John we're going to lose this war and I was absolutely shocked that he would say something like that um, he ended up by the way writing the best book that's ever been written about the Vietnam War uh, which came out in 1973 and had the um, title War Comes to Long An Long An being one of the most strategic provinces in the Saigon area that both sides wanted control over. And I turned to him and said, Jeffrey, how can you make a statement like that? Um, we've got 550,000 men out here. We've got 10 divisions. We've got 1,700 aircraft committed to the theater. We've got um, aircraft carriers offshore ready to fly missions 24-7. Um, if the shooting were to stop tomorrow, uh, it would take us five years to pack up and go home. And he looked at me straight in the eye and he, he said simply this, our enemies have a theory of victory and we don't. 
And that assertion stuck over a, uh, what is now, I guess, a 60-year period. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so that's why I asked the question that's in the subtitle of the book. Uh, if you take the victory in World War II as a benchmark and then try to understand what happened in Korea in Vietnam and Iraq, can you make sense out of it in a single book? And I wanted to do it coherently in a way that any reader could understand without having a deep historical background on either military matters or, for that matter, even geopolitical matters. And uh, to sort of make sense out of what, ha what, has, ha what has happened over the last 75 years or so. Well, well, looking at the wars you talk about, going from World War II, which I, I think if we're going to do an analysis with uh, similarities and uh, differences between each of these conflicts, uh, I guess we can actually go back to World War One and even prior to World War One, as far as the geopolitical issues that were, were going on and contributed to the start of the armed conflict and the Great War. And then we get to World War Two, and I guess that's where maybe the, the modern problems started to... Uh, to surface, especially if we're looking for similarities. I see similarities with fighting with allies being the Soviets, being communist, and then dealing with the Ch Chinese communists with North Korea, and then also with the communists in Vietnam. Other than communism, was was that something that was traced? Uh, well, let's go to communism. Was communism the big enemy at the end of World War II, or, or how... How do you address that issue? Well, I suppose you could look at it as that kind of a challenge. Um, I wasn't, in in terms of this um, effort that I made, I wasn't completely preoccupied with communism, but in the case of Korea and Vietnam, you certainly had to come to grips with um, communism as an underlying ideology that supported um a determined enemy who was prepared to take enormous casualties um, against uh, the American armed services that were deployed in both Korea um, and Vietnam. Um, what I was looking for in all of these conflicts were common threads that might add up to a single analysis, and so I tried to look at all of these conflicts against a common framework. And the common framework I applied to them was what I call a strategic architecture. It's kind of a, a, a more formal way of thinking about it in terms of what Jeffrey Ray said to me in Saigon in 1968, the enemy has a theory of victory and we don't. And I came up with this framework where I defined a strategic architecture as consisting of three things, continually, continually evolving policies, strategies, and operations by which combatant states endeavor, endeavor to achieve a desired end state. I'm talking about both we and our enemies when I say that. And policy defines the high-level goals that an adversary seeks to achieve once it initiates a conflict or in our case, in the case of World War II, finds itself drawn into one. Statesmen can direct a broad course of action and strive to control the initiative. And when they make decisions, they have to respond to unforeseen conditions to guide and determine future decisions. 
Well, now, well, this, and this is we're going to take a short break. We're, we're going to take a short break here in a moment. Sure, uh, go but, ahead. Uh, sure, we're, we're talking to John Caldwell, who is a defense expert and historian, a military historian, uh, adding to uh, what we think we know about the World War II and the wars and conflicts we've been involved since then, to what is going on with what he's calling a strategic architecture and. Uh, basically, what policies drive this country in and out of wars? We're going to take a short break. We'll be back with John Caldwell after these words. You're listening to Nick Phillips on WHK, The Advocate. Don't go away. We'll be right back. You didn't plan it this way. You spent your entire life being careful, protecting your body and staying healthy when the carelessness of another changes your life forever. You need to know what's expected of you to prove your claim. You further have been changed forever. Know it's up to you to make your case. The lawyers at Phillips and Millie together have over 80 years of experience. If you have a case or think you may, call the law firm of Phillips and Millie at 440-243-2800. Hi, I'm Pat Lamb. Select Insurance Services is a family-run business and your personal shopper for auto, home, and business insurance. Plus, I'm Dave Ramsey's endorsed local provider. I think you'll agree, insurance is confusing, but at the same time, it's very important to your financial security. We believe insurance should be secured through a professional. Why? Because one wrong click in the do-it-yourself plan could cost you everything. Our approach stands out because we ask the right questions, listen to your personal situation, and share our knowledge to close potential coverage gaps. This is an experience a do-it-yourself plan can't provide. Did you know there could be a coverage gap when you drive someone else's car? So call us today, 440-237-8555, or check us out at selectinsservice.com. 440-237-8555, or selectinsservice.com. Hi, this is Nick Phillips, host of The Advocate. Pat Lamb and Select Insurance have been my insurance agents for years. Wonderful to work with and never a hassle. Call Pat Lamb at Select Insurance for your insurance needs. More than just a dentist, Dr. Carl Hedgie provides dental treatments for occlusions, TMJ problems, and for aesthetic rehabilitation. In dental practice for over 30 years, Dr. Hedgie has provided state-of-the-art dental treatment for all of his patients. Dr. Carl Hedgie is skilled at treating and resolving complicated dental problems. Located across from the North Royalton High School, call Dr. Hedgie's office for an appointment or visit his website at drhedgie.com. That's Dr. Carl Hedgie, H-E-G-Y-I at 440-237-3338 for the very best in dental care. On the battlefield, there's a saying America's military men and women live by. Never leave a fallen warrior behind, ever. Off the battlefield, Wounded Warrior Project operates with the same goal. Wounded Warrior Project was created to help our men and women returning home with the scars of war, whether those scars are physical or mental. Wounded Warrior Project. We never leave a fallen warrior behind, ever. Learn more about what we do at WoundedWarriorProject.org. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with our final segment of The Advocate uh, for tonight. We're talking to John Caldwell, a military historian and uh, defense expert, who has written a book called Anatomy of Victory, why the United States in World War II fought to a stalemate in Korea, lost in Vietnam, and failed in Iraq. And it uh, puts it all together, and we're talking about his experiences and pretty much his conclusions. Uh, John, uh, thank you for joining us again. It's my pleasure. 
You know, it's not off. We we have someone who actually will put all of the facts together and draw some conclusions uh, with it. We were talking uh, before the break about uh, strategic architecture to explain how the outcomes were were different uh, and and part of their times, I suppose, with uh, the different governments that we've had in power uh, declaring what their individual policies were. You mentioned that there were several things. Evolving policies was one, and I think you mentioned there were several other factors in the framework. I, I was wondering yeah, well, what, what they might be. What I was suggesting is that a strategic architecture consists of three things, policy, strategy, and operations. And the policy, of course, would define the high-level goals you want to achieve. Um, and strategy would be arranging the ends and means to accomplish that goal. And then operations are what statesmen and generals do once they formulate plans and start executing them uh, based on a strategy. And I was looking to apply this common framework to the four conflicts that we were looking at, World War II as a benchmark, then Korea, then Vietnam, and then Iraq. And in each case, if you look at strategic architectures comparatively, that is what our enemies did as opposed to what we did, you just have to be a significant, you just have to be a little bit better than the other guy. Uh, to succeed. And let me just give you an example um, of what I'm talking about. First, let's take World War II. Mm -hmm. Hitler and <clears throat> the Japanese, Germany and Japan, both had flawed strategic architectures for starting the war. And even though they were formidable adversaries, they had nothing like the, uh, the capability that the Allies eventually put together. Uh, particularly by, let's say, uh, the middle years of the war starting toward the end of 1942. And once that war was over with and we had succeeded and the Allies had succeeded, uh, we initiated well-led, well-financed, and well-executed military operations, occupations, I should say, and nation-building programs culminating in things like the Marshall Plan in 1947 that lasted longer than the war itself. And that was one of the important lessons that I got out of looking at World War II um, as a benchmark, not simply the military, extraordinary military effort to win the war, but then to secure the peace afterwards because this created the international system, the foundation for it anyway, mm -hmm, that we're mm -hmm. still living with today. And when you come to conflicts like uh, Korea, in Vietnam and Iraq, we had, I think, what emerged for me was a thesis that sort of goes like this. If you want to succeed uh, against an adversary in a place like Korea or Vietnam or the Middle East, and these are very different places, of course, you need to have policy, strategy, and operations in some kind of alignment. And that, by that, I mean things have to be proportionate proportional. You've got to have a strategy um, <clears throat> or a goal, let's say, a, a, under a policy that is realistic 
and achievable. And then you need a strategy that aligns up the resources, the scheduling, the armies, uh, the capabilities that you need uh, to succeed, and then you need to have people who know how to execute those operations successfully. That is hugely difficult for statesmen and generals to achieve, but that's what you have to be able to do. And on <clears throat> on, a, on a single page in my book, I kind of uh, reduce it to a, a way to think about past and future conflicts. Uh-huh. And it begins with, I think, four simple imperatives that emerged, at least in my mind. And it sounds kind of simple to go through this, uh, but you have to back it up with the historical evidence that actually supports this. It goes like this. First of all, you have to define a successful geopolitical outcome that is in keeping with American core interests. And once you've figured out what what it is that you want to accomplish, then you need to plan backwards. What is it going to take to get there? Think in terms of the way engineers talk sometimes about reverse engineering something. And secondly, you have to define a strategy as a sequence of military and political operations to get to that end state. And if you can't do this, or if the range of acceptable alternatives cannot be defined or as unknowable, the enterprise is a hostage to fortune and likely doomed, and you can get a lot of people killed. Thirdly, you have to define a set of executable plans for the sequence of operations that is necessary to get to the end state. And if a government is unprepared to do this at the outset, it invites failure. And when statesmen and generals think a conflict might be protracted and last over a long time, then defining at the front end of a project like this an exit strategy is a complete oxymoron. Exit is what happens when governments and armies prevail and win. That's when Americans come home. And that's why World War II is such a compelling benchmark. And lastly, you have to be able to find people who know how to execute plans with comprehensive whole-of-government operations and resources, which are identified in detail with realistic schedules. That's what it takes to be able to win. In other words, you need a well-thought-out endgame. Because if you do succeed in winning, you better be prepared to secure the peace. Are, are we give doing an example of what I'm Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, do your example, and then I have a current question. Sure. When George Bush, the younger, um, invaded Iraq in 2003, the main force fighting was pretty much over with in about a month, and we were in Baghdad. The problem was we didn't know what was what we had to do next to secure the peace. We had, uh, our goal was regime change, but we hadn't thought through, well, all right, if we're going to remove the Saddam regime and the Ba'athist party and the whole apparatus, what are we going to put in its place? We didn't have a plan for doing that because we said, we're saying to ourselves, we don't do nation building anymore. That came in the wake of the uh, very unhappy experience we had in the Vietnam War. And that, I think, turned out to be a huge mistake, that kind of thinking. If you're going to get yourself involved in that kind of a conflict, 
in a remote part of the world, you better have a plan for what you're going to do, especially if you're going to win. Because it isn't enough to say, now we've done the heavy lifting and we're going to pack up and go home. That isn't what happened. Well, no, I I think... Bear in mind that, you know, after the end of World War II, uh, we had military occupation forces in both uh, Japan and Germany, and they're still there today, not in massive numbers, but they're still there. The same is true of Korea. So I think we have to accept these realities that if we're going to get ourselves involved in these kind of conflicts, we've got to be prepared for a long-term uh be prepared for a long game and then be prepared to stick it stick it out. And sometimes these kind of conflicts will span multiple presidencies. They certainly have in the case of the Iraqi wars. I mean, that, these, these conflicts have now in Iraq and Afghanistan have been going on since 1990, basically. Right, right. And we're, they're still with us. Well, uh, we're, we've been talking to John... D. Caldwell, a uh, military historian and expert, and we're talking about the strategic architecture that this country needs to be following. And, uh, John, I, I hope we're doing that, and we'll have to have you on again to talk about that in the future. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. It's been a pleasure, Nick. Thank you. Thank you so much, and thank you for joining us tonight. We'll be back next week, same time, same station. So between now and then, have a great week. Good night. And I sat and watched the Zanzibar sunset Sat and drank my fresh mint tea With nothing to do until morning And only my mind for company Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.